This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank, and... My name is Terry Gross. I'm the host of Fresh Air, which is an NPR interview program. Terry Gross, you guys. Terry Gross. She is a radio hero. She's a hero of mine. I've been lucky enough to know Terry for a while, about 10 years. My husband used to work for her. Um, in fact, he, he was a producer at Fresh Air when our daughter was born. Terry, of course, is a master interviewer, but she's also really private. Today, she opens up and talks about something incredibly personal, her choice to not have children. Now, I, I learned so much in this conversation. I learned why Terry chose not to have kids, but I also learned about how she sees herself as a true feminist pioneer and about how she got the life that she wanted. Terry has let out little nuggets about her life on her show and in other interviews. So here are some of the things that she's talked about, just to give you some background. She's 65 years old. She was born on Valentine's Day in 1951. She likes to talk about how that was actually a dark time here in the United States. It was the era of McCarthyism. It was also just after the Holocaust. Terry grew up in Brooklyn in the Sheepshead Bay neighborhood, her parents were first-generation Americans. They were working class. Her dad worked in the millinery business. He sold ribbons and fabric to people who make hats. Her mom was a secretary. But once she had Terry and her brother, she stayed home with the kids. There's, there's a lot in my childhood that made me, I think, very wary of being a mother. When I was growing up, every adult woman I knew was a mother, and mostly, maybe with one exception, they were all full-time mothers and homemakers. And they seemed to be living, and I don't be, mean to be unfair to my mother or to the women who I knew, but they seemed to be living very circumscribed lives where it was just basically about staying home and cleaning and raising the kids and being very protective of the kids, even when the kids wanted out. It just didn't seem like the most fulfilling job in the world. Um, Do you remember thinking that when you were a kid or was it not till you were older? I remember noticing that as a kid. Um, it wasn't a very kind of huggy, kissy kind of parent-child relationship. You know, your, my parents really thought of themselves as like it was their job to raise you by showing you what was right and wrong and being very clear about that and doing their best to make sure that you, you know, observed their idea of what was right and wrong. And I'm, I'm not saying that they were mean or cruel or anything, but they weren't there to be your best friend or to smother you with kisses, you, you know, like they were there to, to criticize you when you needed it, to discipline when you, you when you needed it, and, and to support you too. And, and they did all of that. And what do you think about that approach? It's kind of the approach every parent I knew took, I think, um, you know, some more than others. Um, uh, it, things seem much more relaxed now when I look at the people I know who have children. There's just a lot more physical intimacy, I think, and, and, and emotional in intimacy. Like with my father, 
I didn't really get to know him until much later in life. He worked. He came home late. And um, we didn't spend much time one-on-one together. Did you ever imagine that you'd have kids? Um, You know, when I was young, uh, I just assumed I would have children, I think, because, like, that's what you did. Like, there wasn't a choice. It was like you reached a certain age, and then you got married, and then you had children. Um, But once I got to college, and once there really was some kind of, you know, like, cultural revolution happening, you know, and once, like, the women's movement really started up, and I started, you know, that was very influential to me, I started thinking, wow, I see there's a choice here. You know, there was a choice whether to have children. There was birth control that could make sure you didn't have children if you didn't want to have children. Um, And there was a changing cultural, social atmosphere that made it acceptable to not have children where you wouldn't be seen as either an object of ridicule or an object of pity. Oh, and then once I discovered a career that I loved, I thought, yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm not going to have children. Because I couldn't imagine having children and having a career. I hadn't seen any evidence it could be done. Was was there ever a time when you thought, I want a career and a child? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, I remember um, there was a period when I was in my 20s when I used to have a d- dinner once a week with um, a, a a woman friend of mine, and one of the things we would talk about is, you know, like life and work and the balance and this and that. And she said to me, I don't feel called to have children. And I think being a parent is such a major responsibility that I don't feel like I should be a parent unless I feel called. And I realized, yeah, I don't feel called either. You know, I just never... I remember having a conversation with another woman friend of mine who was saying that she didn't know if she was going to have a child, but her body felt like it was just saying to her that it wanted to have a child. Hmm. And I I just never, I never felt that. Never? No, never. And so um, it wasn't like a really difficult choice for me. I wasn't somebody who was always anguishing, should I have it? Um, And I wanted to have what I thought of as an interesting life, as a life that kept me intellectually engaged, that combined some of the things I loved. I didn't know what that was, but when I started in radio, I thought this is what it is. This is this was the work I was looking for. Um, and and keep in mind, like when I started in radio, and we're talking like 1974, 75, there were very few women in any media positions at all at the time. And um, just to be able to do that kind of work, just to be able to have a job in radio seemed fantastical to me. Terry's first radio hosting gig was with a feminist show out of Buffalo called Woman Power. And so, of course, we did uh, we did a lot of shows on natural childbirth, <laughs> which, was, which was a big thing at the time. It, it was like the first period when natural childbirth was like a thing. And so here I am, right? Me, the person who like was 
like, you know, pr- pretty confident she, she wasn't going to have children. Um, I'm bringing home books in college about, like, natural childbirth and breastfeeding. I was, even though I wasn't, it, it, it was such a thing. Like, the whole natural childbirth and breastfeeding thing was such a thing. And it was such a part of, like, part of the feminist world because it was the part of like the feminist world was about like we're taking back the power to have like children our way and we're not going to let like some male surgeon stick us in stirrups and give us drugs that we don't want we're taking control and and so it was like it was a powerful statement to be made (laughs) whether you're having children or not i like the voice you just did i don't think i've ever heard you do a voice like that oh (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes in terms of not having children, I think of myself as a part of the first generation that could have made the choice to not have children because of reliable birth control and because because of feminism. Um, and I also think that it might have been necessary for there to be a sizable population of people like me who chose to not have children in order for um, – and maybe I'm just – patting myself on the back here for being, you know, part of this this group, but I think in order for women to have established themselves professionally in the world um, at a time when there were very few professional positions open to women, that women had to really establish that they w- would be there and could be there and that um, they would, they'd be working days and they'd be working nights, and it's unfair to ask women or probably to ask anyone to do that. But it was only by proving, I think, that women could do that, that we were able to kick down some of the doors. Coming up, Terry lays out what she really thinks of babies. Stay with us. (laughs) We're back with Terry Gross. She's hosted NPR's Fresh Air for over 40 years. Did you ever have a picture in your mind of what it would look like if you had a kid? Um, I will tell you a recurring dream that I've had in various forms. I'm not proud of this dream, so I share it with some reluctance. The dream is um, I realize, oh, I forgot I had a child. I have a baby, and I totally forgot. And I put the baby in the cabinet, and I haven't fed it in days. I've had several variations of that dream over the years. I haven't had it now. I'm like, it's like I'm too old for it to <laughs> like be a choice anymore. You know what I mean? But um, but I'd wake up and I'd go like, oh my god, thank God I didn't I didn't actually forget that I had a baby. <laughs> like what? That a horrible... sounds really scary. Do you, do you wake <laughs> up like really in terrifying. a sweat? <laughs> I'd wake up in a total panic. Yeah. Wow. What do you think that's about? Um, I don't really know for sure, but I think it might be about how preoccupied I was with the life I was living and my fear that I'd be too preoccupied to be a good mother. Do you think that's true? Have you been too preoccupied to be a good mother if you had gone down that path? I think it might have been true. I think I think I would have been preoccupied with being a good mother. And I think that I'm, I think I would have been probably preoccupied with being two things at the same time, which is the position I think that every working parent is in. I think 
I might have driven myself crazy, but but who knows? I'll ne- I will never know the answer to that. I will never know whether I would have enjoyed being a mother, whether I would have been a good mother. I will never know whether my I would have been close to my children or by the time they get old in, they got old enough to walk outside on their own, they wouldn't want to be seen next to me. <laughs> I'll never know. You know, I think um, when we make big decisions like this, um, you're looking at two possible versions of your life. And each version has tremendous benefits as well as tremendous losses. And I wonder what have been the benefits and the losses in the path that you chose? The the, the benefit, the main benefit is I've, I got the life that I wanted to have. In other words, when I came of age, I really wanted to be an independent woman who didn't have to rely on a man. Um, and the thought of doing that and combining that with being a parent seemed, you know, pretty impossible. And as as I've mentioned to other people before, um, when I started in radio, I basically, my plants all died. I mean, I was spending so little time taking care of anything except meeting deadlines that, you know, I just gave – the plants died one by one, and I never got new ones because I thought, just give up. Still? Well, I ha- I've had a cat since living with Francis. Francis is my husband, but he's like the primary parent to the cat, uh-huh. you know? I'm kind of like my father was, you know, like <laughs> I get home from work and, you know, pet the cat and the- – Again, you know, get back to my thing. <laughs> Have you been able to stay friends with anybody um, who had children? Um, like, I know a, a lot of a lot of friendships split up. Um, I've lost friends who who decided not to have kids because it's like our lives are so different. And we almost just don't understand each other anymore. Um, have you been able to stay friends with anybody who had children? Um, I, I don't have those, you know, like along with the plants dying, <laughs> those kinds of friendships disappeared because I don't, I just don't, I did not leave room in my life for that kind of friendship. And um, what can I say? You know, that might sound sad, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's the life I carved out for myself. So it's, it's, you know. It's not like I have that kind of relationship. You know, I've gotten in trouble with some listeners by using the word childless when when talking about people who don't have kids. Um, they would prefer that I use the word child-free. And I wonder what your thoughts are on this. Child-free sounds like a smoke-free environment for the health of everybody and um, because it's a toxin. It seems, I don't know, my personal feeling is, and I'll probably get a lot of grief with this, that child-free sounds so much like a manifesto or something. And <laughs> I think it's a personal decision, and you make it. And it's it's nice to be in a society that re- reinforces the ability to make that decision. But I don't know, child-free to me still has that tone of, like, let's keep the bad air out, <laughs> you know? Um Okay, now I won't ever read my the Fresh Air Twitter feed again. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> Terry, Terry, do you like babies? Well, that's another thing. You know, um, I, 
it's this. I feel like I should, I should apologize before saying this. When I see this is going to sound horrible, so I'll preface it with that. When I see like a cute cat or a cute dog, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> you know. And when I see a cute baby. Like, I'm not the first person to like, oh, please, can I hold it? I've just never, I've never been that person. You know, so my husband worked for you, um, both when I got a cat and when I had a baby. <laughs> and I I feel like you were more excited about the cat. <laughs> you were like, you were excited <laughs> that I had a baby, but you, but like, I did notice <laughs> that you didn't know, you were not one of the staffers who was like, uh, let me hold the baby. I don't I don't really understand how like I don't know how to hold babies. I don't know like I'm I feel embarrassed that I'm totally unskilled at how to deal with babies. And it's not a natural reflex for me to hold and then coo at babies. It's just it's not. I'm trying to be honest. I always feel very incompetent when I'm holding a baby. <laughs> like I'm like I'm not I'm not holding it right or like the baby's going to get upset. So Terry made this choice to not have kids, but a lot of her staff have made the opposite choice. As producers have cycled through, Terry's watched some of them have babies or adopt, and then go on family leave. Some of those people wind up staying home with their kids, but lots of them come back to work. She's watched generations of kids growing up around her, visiting their parents at the office. She vividly remembers the first time a Fresh Air co-worker became a parent. It was Danny Miller, Fresh Air's executive producer. Suddenly, like, he was a father. And I remember going to visit soon after his daughter Karen was born and watching Danny hold Karen and walk around with her just, you know, like uh, rocking her in his arms with this look of absolute astonishment on his face. Like he couldn't believe that this child was his. It was just amazing for me to look at. And I felt so lucky not having children myself to be able to vicariously at a distance watch the children of the people I work with be born and become, you know, uh, toddlers and adolescents and then some of them teenagers and then some of them adults. Um, It's, you know, I'm really grateful for that. Well, you've watched um, Danny, your executive producer, as well as many of your producers um, do what you thought wasn't possible, um, have a career and children. Um, does that change your mind at all about, um, like, your thoughts that that isn't possible? Um, well, I, I will say his, his, his wife, uh, Mary, worked part-time for many years. So, you know, um, it, it, um, I really might have wanted to do that too. So many women I know after having a baby have wanted to um, just change their working life mm-hmm. and work part-time. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense to me. It makes a lot of, you know, all those paths. I mean, like whatever you want makes sense to me. You know, if you want to work full-time and 
and and have a child, you know, fine. If you want to work part-time, fine. If you don't, don't want to work anymore, fine. But I really might have wanted to work part-time. And you can't do a daily show and work part-time. And I, you know, like I just, I did not want to give that up. Um, and also, a, 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 another point I'd like to make is that when I was in my 20s, there weren't really great arrangements for working mothers. There was not a proliferation of daycare centers. Mm. Um, the, there wasn't like, you know, like a lot of nannies around. Um, there wasn't an infrastructure that I was aware of for working mothers that you could just like fit yourself into. That infrastructure had to be created. Would that have changed things for you? You know, I can't really uh, guess how how things would have been had things been different. Maybe not. I don't know. In a minute, the inevitable happens. You know, the thing of having Terry Gross on your podcast. She turns the tables and asks me a super scary personal question. Don't go away. We are back with Terry Gross. One thing that you hear Terry talking about on her show a lot is aging and death. She's spoken openly about watching her own parents get older and pass away. I can't say that bothers me a lot. You know, that the, like, part of the line ends with me. Um, And I do have nieces and um, great niece and two great nephews. Mm -hmm. So there are, you know... I, I do participate in a um, a larger family, and I never felt that I needed to leave the legacy of a child, that I needed to have a child, like, continue my legacy. I never thought of myself as having a legacy in that respect. And Will your show do that for you? Uh, yeah, I'm grateful to have an archive. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds. It sounds. I, I think this is going to sound really weird to a lot of people, but, but you know, we all have our own, our own instincts, um, and and that's one of the things I really, you know, I'm grateful to the women's movement for to make it possible for making it possible for me to have chosen the life I've chosen, and not feel like I I should be regretful about it because I'm not. And to not have other, to, to not worry that other people will feel sorry for me because if they do, you, you know, I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> like, uh, I, I've had the life I've wanted to. I, I'm not saying I've had like a perfect or a great life. It's filled with like stress and stress and all kinds of stuff. But it's it's the life I've chosen. One of the reasons that some people have kids is so that there will be someone to take care of them when they get old. Um, and if you don't have kids, you've got to make other plans. What are your plans? I don't have any yet. And believe me, I ask myself that, you know, and I know like a lot of people who are either single or don't have children ask themselves that. I don't think that's like the best reason to have children. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh, one day I'll be old and they'll take care of me because you just never know. I mean, you never know if your child will be living in another country when you're old and come and visit you occasionally or living on another coast or you feel even get along. Um, you know, so 
like now that I'm getting older, I'm not thinking like, damn it, I should have had a child so they could have taken care of me. <laughs> well, I was yeah, really stupid. Know, yeah, yeah. There, <laughs> that's um, that's the thing that people talk about with um, whether to have more than one child as well. I have an only child, and I hear the argument a lot. Well, you should you should have another one for her. So that she has someone else to help her take care of you when you get old. Um, <laughs> and I, I think the same things that, that you do. Like, I'm not going to make my choice based on that because I, I could have another kid and they could not get along. Right, right. <laughs> Terry says that being alone doesn't really scare her. For the first 20 years that she was with her husband, they lived separately because she wanted to. I learned I could live alone, that I didn't need somebody with me at all times to validate my experience, that I can enjoy something on my own. I can enjoy eating by myself. I can enjoy sitting by myself or exercising by myself or taking a walk by myself. Um, And that was a very, that's powerful knowledge to have, which I I wouldn't have had. Do you still do things by yourself? I do a lot by myself. I take walks by myself every day. Um, I have no problem eating by myself either at home or at a restaurant. Like when I'm traveling, if I'm traveling, I, I, I did, I've done a lot of traveling on my own. Um, and I'm, I'm fine with it. That is one of the hardest things, I would say, about having kids. You are never alone. It's, it's really, really hard to have any time alone, even going to the bathroom. Like the kid right. wants to get in there with you. Um, and, and, and alone time is something that I've come to value. I really like being by myself. I love living with my family too. But, um, when you can't have any alone time, you really miss it. So can I ask you a question? Yes. Um, do you ever have second thoughts about having had a child? Yeah. Um, I've had second thoughts about it. I always come back around to this was the right decision. I love my daughter more than anything. Um, I'm like just sitting here like thinking about her soft little cheeks and how they feel on my lips. You know, like I I, I wouldn't want to live without that. Um, but, you know, on a daily basis – there's some moment where I'm just like super frustrated about something. And I would say that like starting at five years old, things started to get a little easier. Um, And so those like, did I make a terrible mistake feelings don't creep up on me very often anymore. But early on in the first few years, um, especially when I was dealing with some um, like residual impact of childbirth injuries, um, I was like, what have I done? I love how you've taken um, being a mother and turned it into like not only being a mother, but into a podcast. You know what I mean? That you've managed to find a way of taking everything that you've learned and all the questions that you have and all the ways that this has transformed you and including the childbirth injuries and managed to make that into a podcast that I, I just feel is like such a valuable thing for other people to hear. Thanks. 
it's, uh, you know, the stuff that you've been talking about with like balancing motherhood and work is really resonating with me. I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. It's, I don't know. It seems so, it seems so hard. It's one, it's, it's one, it's one of the things I haven't had to wrestle with, but on the downside, you know, I, I, I don't have much of a life outside of the show. You know, I, um, I, I don't mean that to sound pathetic or anything, but you know, I just, there's not a lot of time left when you, when you minus the time for, for errands and, and, and stuff. Um, you know, so I, th- I think one of perhaps the gifts of being a parent that I don't have is that a child forces you to have a life. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. It forces you into a, a life outside of your own. It forces you into a world outside of the world that you've created for yourself. And, and that, that, that's probably a really good thing. That is so true. You know, like I'm hearing you say this and sitting here nodding because I, like if I didn't have to leave my desk you know, by by five thirty <laughs> at the latest to go get her, and that's not to say like you know I go get her, I bring her home, I put her to bed, and by like nine o'clock I'm usually still working again. Um, but if I didn't have that thing forcing me to go get her, there would be days on end where I like would not leave my home. I have a home office, and I would just uh, like, especially in the winter, I would hold myself up and like I'd have to remind myself to like go outside. And um, so I never thought about it that way. But you're right; like I am forced to have a life outside of my work. Oh, good for you. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it even if it includes, you know, like arguing <laughs> with a 6-year-old. <laughs> but but uh, you know, I want to thank you for talking about the decision not to have children on your show as well as the decision to have children because you know, I I think the main thing we want as women is is we want the choice. And the choice only has meaning you know, if there is a choice, it, it's great to be a parent when you're not forced to be, when mm-hmm. society isn't demanding it, when they're not making it an obligation. And in order for it to have not to no longer be an obligation, I think some people had to choose to to not have children and rewrite the rules a little bit. And and you know, hooray for all of us! <laughs> hooray for all of us, indeed. Ever since Terry entered the workforce. Options for working parents have changed. They're still evolving, but but they've changed. And you guys out there, you have made all kinds of choices. Maybe you never went back to work. Maybe you're trying to go back to work. Maybe you're job sharing. Maybe you're working part time. Maybe you're just trying to figure out how to work out this whole mess. We want to hear from you. Are you like Terry? Did you decide not to have kids? Do you ever second guess yourself on that decision? Or do you have kids and second-guess yourself on that? Tell us everything at our website, longestshortesttime.com, in the comments for this episode. That's episode 79. This podcast is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and the Reverend John Delore. Our theme music is by The Batteries Duo. We get editorial support from Anne-Marie Baldonado and Antonia Akitunde. Thanks to Audrey Bentham, who recorded Terry's end of this conversation. Next week, 
On The Longest Shortest Time, we follow up with audience favorites, the accidental gay parents. Last time we heard from them, Tristan really wanted a baby. John, not so much. And then, like a huge snowball hitting me in the face, the answer came to me. And the answer was, you should have a baby. You, This is something that you should do. Navigating pregnancy as a trans man and a gay dude who never thought he'd knock someone up. Don't miss this episode. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, please rate us and write us a review. This makes it easier for new people to find our show. I know it's like a a tiny thing for you to do, and it helps us a ton. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we love to hear your stories. We love to tell your stories, so pitch us. Tell us something about your kids or something about your parents. We would especially like to hear from step-parents and grandparents. Really, anything about unusual family situations, we love all that stuff. Go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story. Get out your passports, because you're about to cross the border into hard nation. I'm Mark Hard, a proud conservative. And I'm Pete Hard, a godless liberal. We're two brothers with different perspectives, but a passion for politics. And now we bring that passion to our show on Earwolf. Now, finally, there's a podcast that tells it like it is about what's really going on in this country. That's right. It's the election of the century, and we're the only ones willing to ask the real questions like, Hillary Clinton, what do you order at Chipotle? Or Ted Cruz, who would you cast in Ghostbusters? Check out Hard Nation today on Earwolf.com, Howl, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. Ooh, it's going to get hard in here. Get hard, people. Stand up. You sing Earwolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Yeah.